I'm sick and tired of people telling me I'm bad at keeping secrets. I'm excellent at keeping secrets. You just don't know which secrets I'm keeping. I've got, I've got like 21 secrets up here and you, you don't have a clue. I mean, occasionally I'll spill one secret, but that's only because I'm dealing with so many secrets I lose track. Never intentionally spill a secret. It's always, always acting with a good heart. It's just I'm dealing with a lot of secrets. But then when you spill one secret, people are like, oh, you spill secrets. Everyone spills stuff. You know, if I were a goalkeeper on a, on a football or soccer team, depending on your preference, or a football team, shout out to my Espanol Fraser heads, then, you know, say you save 20 shots and you let one in. Yeah, no one's going to be like, that's a bad goalkeeper. They're going to be like, that's an excellent goalkeeper. I'm sick and tired of people telling me I'm bad at keeping secrets. I get trusted with too many secrets. That's my problem. It's like if I, uh, people always judge you there. It's like if I went to a restaurant and I went to the restaurant to eat. You know how you go to restaurants. And then uh, the head chef comes up to me. He's like, Simon, we need you to make 21 creme brulees. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I, I didn't go into the conversation expecting you to tell me that you wanted me to make 21 creme brulees, but I'll do it. So I go into the kitchen, I make 21 creme brulees, and I serve, and I, you know, make all 21 of them, and I serve them. And one of the creme brulees, I happen to spill. I don't, I, are you going to say that I should never make a creme brulee again? No. You should be like, Simon, you are so good at making creme brulees. I'm going to ask you to make more creme brulees. But then that one person who's creme brulee, you spill. That, you know, they get mad at you. They're like, Simon, you're untrustworthy. It's like, no, I've just got an iron deficiency. I shake a bit. I don't know, man. Uh, that's, a, that's a ramble uh, to start the pod. Let's get into it. Why don't we? Uh, I'm Simon Fraser, and this is Phrase of the Day. Ah, what a phrase. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by no one. We have, on average, seven listeners, six of whom are me, and one of whom is my grandma. So shout out, shout out to you. Uh, I, I gave the graduation speech a couple of days ago, well received, and we had a lot of nice jokes. There was one joke they were, that uh, the school wouldn't allow us to include because the school has oversight, but I thought it was a pretty good joke bit of a classic, but it's always fun. We were doing this bit where, you know, uh, we have this and we have this. So in our class, we have, uh, you know, we have actors and writers. We have journalists and the YDN. Uh, we have sports stars and we have the rugby team. And there was one I wanted to include. It's like, we have people graduating cum laude. And we have my freshman year sweet mate who liked to come loudly, which it would have been a hit. Uh, you could have riffed on it so much, you know. Uh, we have people graduating magna cum laude. And we have my freshman year sweet mate who wore a magnum and liked to come loudly. Uh, but sadly, sadly, they uh, vetoed that. And also that was a lie. Um, I'm not revealing who my freshman year sweet mate was. All I'll say is he was a great guy. <laughs> uh, I got something wrong in the last podcast. I want to clear it up. Again, I'm really, I'm really mixing up the names of white male actors. Two weeks ago, it was Tony Shauhub. I got his name wrong. Last episode, I went for an impression of Colin Firth uh, because I'd watched him in The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Turned out it wasn't Colin Firth, it was Colin Farrell. I mean, I'm sorry, Colin. Uh, this seems like it's going to happen once a week now. I'm going to 
mixed up an actor's name, but Colin, I did some kind of weird Transylvanian accent of you, uh, but I've been working on it, and I think it's better. Here we go now. This is Colin Farrell, Irish actor, uh, star of The Killing of a Sacred Deer. My name's Colin Farrell. Nope, it's bad. It's bad. I fucked it up. <laughs> um, anyway, day, today's episode, I want to tell you a story that happened to me, and it's my, it's, it's my opinion that this is a pretty good story. Uh, it's a mob story. And I think of it, the most famous mob story out there from a comedian is Burt Kreischer's The Machine Story. This story is not as good as that story, but it's still a pretty good story. Uh, so listen up. Essentially what happened was, I, I, in my sophomore year of college, I was on the rugby team. Uh, and for previous listeners of the pod, for all my Fraser heads out there, you know that I should not have been on the rugby team. Uh, I was 5'9", 160 pounds, uh, I, I was scrawnier than, uh, than Oliver Twist uh, on off-Broadway. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, so I, but I'm still like, you know, I love the rugby team. It's a, great, it's a great bunch of guys. And we go out to Japan for our rugby tour, which uh, shouldn't have been allowed because we're a club team. We're not varsity, but, well, you know, we have, we have very generous alumni who are very kind. And so we go out and we go to Japan and we've got this tour guide. And his name's Gibbo, uh, and he, he's kind of he's uh, he's kind of this bald-headed um, white Australian, maybe New Zealander. Um, can't quite can't quite remember, but he was spoken that kind of accent. He'd be like, "Boys, the thing about Japan is uh, when you go into Japan, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening, and you gotta you gotta keep your eyes open at all times because it's Japan." Uh, and essentially, we were all of us on the team were not fans of Gibbo. Uh, we arrived in Japan like 6 a.m. one morning. Oh, this is what happened. We flew into, um, we flew from New Haven or New York. We flew from New York uh, over, you know, to the other side of the world. And we left on March 9th. And because time change uh, works in the way it does, we arrived on March 11th. My birthday is March 10th. I, I, I missed my birthday. Uh, and so but that's just a tangent. And so we get in, and Gibbo picks us up, and he's like, boys, here's the thing about Japan. You've got to go to the fish market. Uh, and so we're in Tokyo, and we go to the fish market, and we're all tired. We all just want to go to bed. And it's cool. It's a cool fish market. Get some, get some uni, some sea urchin. We're having a great time. Uh, but essentially, because we're doing so much stuff with Gibbo, we're not getting the time to train and rest appropriately. And so we go um, for our first match. Our first game is against Meiji University. And... We're all really tired, and some of us um, are injured. And Meiji University is like the best rugby uh, school in Japan, or I think maybe Tokyo, maybe Japan. Um, second best, second best. Well, the first best is uh, can't remember, but uh, I'll put it in the comments. And to all my to all my boys, that the best rugby university in Japan, uh, Onagashimas. I think that's right. <laughs> I hope it's right, because if it's not, that is bad. Uh, but anyway, so we, we go out, and we're a club team. We are not a varsity team. We are not good. We are not a good team. I am on the team. Thus, we are not a good team. Uh, and so we go out, and we're meant to be playing this team's fifth uh, side, like their, their E squad. Uh, but they didn't, I don't think they got the memo, so they put out their first team who are like professional players, who are international rugby players, and they're going up against me, 
Um, 5'9", 160 pounds, had braces until I was 17 years old. Uh, tough luck for everyone. Uh, and so, essentially, long story short, we lose 100-0. Yeah, and, and not even in a full-length match. They called it off at halftime. It was the biggest drubbing uh, since, since, uh, since, since Dresden. Ugh, I'm sorry, shouldn't have made that reference, but history major over here. Um, it, was, it was a big drubbing. In fact, no, absolutely take that back. It was, it was the, um, essentially what happened was, it, it was almost, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not American, I'm English, but I don't, they didn't matter, it didn't matter to them. I think they were, they were trying to get revenge, uh, you know, for, for all the stuff that those bastard Americans did in 45. Uh, each, time, each time they scored a try, they were like, this is for that thing in 1945. <laughs> and then they would come again and be like, that was for that other thing in 1945. Then they'd go one more time and they'd be like, that was for that first thing in 1945. We, you will never <laughs> make amends, which is... Probably true. The U.S. could strengthen its Japanese relationship, uh, but anyway, it was crazy. Like I was, I was the fullback, so I would have to, I would always have to make the last tackle. And every time I would chase after them, and you know they'd run one way and then they'd run the other, and I was chasing them. I was like, damn, this is a real life Tokyo drift. Uh, but anyway, so we lose 100-0 at halftime. Um, then we go uh, very pleasant afterwards. They've kicked up, but we're all injured and stuff like that. Uh, and then that night, we're, in fact, oh, I forget, there was a Reddit post made. Um, there was a Reddit post made, which uh, we're going to put up here. And it, it says, like, when you get rejected from Yale University, remember that its rugby team lost 100-0 to Meiji University. <laughs> which, um, which was like kind of like, oh, no, this is a disaster. <laughs> like, Yale, Yale University Rugby Club is tarnished. Uh, they also compared Yale University... They, they compared Meiji University, the Japanese equivalent of Northeastern, which is confusing because I always thought Northeastern was just directions to Harvard. <laughs> no. Um, well, anyway, so then, they so then someone on the Reddit post denies it. And they're like, oh, I, really? This sounds, too, this sounds too ridiculous to be true. And we're all like, yes. And then someone else is like, ah, no, I can't find any evidence of it anywhere else on the internet. So it can't be true. Um, so essentially, we escaped uh, with a fictional 100-0 loss, which never happened until, I guess, this podcast. That's my fault. But, you know, own up to your truths. So, so anyway, uh, so, so we've just lost 100-0, and we're, we're, we're uh, mourning our sorrows at a, uh, at a bar with Gibbo, and we're so sick of Gibbo. Me and two guys on the team, Joe and Charlie, are like, we're leaving Gibbo. Bye, Gibbo. And he's like, the thing about Japan is when you say goodbye, you've got to, uh, you've got to say goodbye with a thing. I don't remember anything what he said, but uh, whatever. Um, so we leave and we go into Shinjuku, which is kind of like Tokyo's Times Square meets Amsterdam's red light district. And we're there and we go into this like small bar. And we go, go downstairs and it's just us, us three and this waitress uh, or bartender uh, behind the bar. You know, she's tending the bar. And we, we get there and uh, we're just chilling, having some beers, uh, some cervezas. What a legend. And they, and then like 20 minutes in, this, uh, these, this group of six people walks in. Four men, two women. They're all quite old. And two of the men are very large. Uh, and we start chatting to them because we're friendly. We're dressed in suits. 
but we're dressed in like our Yale rugby attire. So uh, they, they and we're American-ish. So they, they think we're, they must think we're famous or something. Uh, it turns out that they are actually famous because we start speaking to them. And it turns out the two large men are two judo world champions. Uh, and I honestly, I, I didn't get their names. Uh, well, I did get their names, but I forgot them. It's been two years. But let's just say I looked up judo world champions. Uh, not saying these are their names. I'm just saying, just out of context, the names of two judo world champions are Yoshimi Masaki and Masotishi uh, Shinomaki. So I'm not saying they were them, but just for the context of the story, that's what they're going to be called. Uh, don't, don't come at me, please. <laughs> just trying to tell a good story. And so, we, and so we're like, whoa, my God, this is like, we're out with two of Japan's greatest ever athletes. This is like if we were out at, um, I don't know, Guy Fieri's Times Square restaurant and Serena and Venus turned up. We'd be like, whoa, this is amazing. And so we get chatting with them and they were really friendly and, you know, I'm snapping some pics. And then they start pointing at this other guy who's less large, uh, but he's kind of like, he's wearing sunglasses, maybe like 60 years old. And they start pointing at him. And in their very, they speak very broken English. We speak nothing Japanese. And they start pointing at him and they're like, do you know Godfather? And we're like, like the movie? And they're like, yes, like the movie. And we're like, uh, yeah, we've seen it. What do you mean? And they point at him. And they're like, Don Corleone. We're like, what are you saying? And, they, and they're like, this guy is the head of the Japanese mafia. Head of Yakuza. And we're like, no way. <laughs> like, sure, you guys are Japanese royalty, but we don't believe you're actually with the head of the Yakuza. Uh, but then Don turns to us and he's like, do you like whiskey? And we're like, yeah, we, we, we like whiskey. Um, and, so, and so, well, sorry, I say I like whiskey. The two other guys who are responsible say no, but I say yes. And so Don just buys me a bottle of Johnny Walker uh, Blue Label 750 milliliters and just gives it to me. I'm like, hmm, maybe you are in the Yakuza. Uh, but also anyone can buy a drink, so I'm not, I'm not too convinced yet. But over the course of the night, I have like half of this bottle. This is a crazy night. Um, and so we keep on going, we keep on chatting with them. Uh, we don't really think they're in the Yakuza, but we're having a good time. 10 minutes later, Don turns to us again, and he's like, do you like sake? And we're like, um, this time we're all, because we're in Japan, we're all like, yes. So he, he makes a phone call. Five minutes later, uh, this guy comes down, um, kind of this henchman, you know, hooded henchman, very gaunt looking, looking like a million yen, because the exchange rate is so high. And... He like is holding these two bottles of sake and we look up the prices afterwards and each one is like 600 US dollars. And Don just gives them to us, uh, you know, like, like he was Drake and this was, or like he was the Japanese Drake and this was the, his God's plan video. Uh, I guess, I guess. Do you think in Japan, Drake is known as Drake? Probably not. Um, but anyway, so anyway, so OV Tokyo gives us these two bottles of sake and you know, we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so then over the course of the night, we have one of these two liter bottles of sake. So we're really, really drunk. And then we start to get more friendly with Don and we start chatting. You know, he shows us his business card, which is an important Yakuza thing. So I guess we're, I guess we believe in he's in the Yakuza now, but uh, we don't really believe he's the head of the Yakuza. We think he's like an associate regional manager. 
Uh, one thing which does convince us, he gets the henchmen to roll up his sleeves. Uh, and the thing with the Yakuza is they all have tattoos. No one else in Japan has tattoos. And this guy rolls up his sleeves. I've never seen more tattoos. It was like looking at uh, who's got a lot of tattoos. It, it was like looking at the Yakuza's tattoos. Uh, that's the worst simile alive. Um, so anyway, so, so then we're, he shows us his business card and we're having fun. We're chatting very broken, very broken uh, English and Japanese. Well, all English. So we're like, Amer they're like, America? And we're like, America. And they're like, McDonald's? And we're like, McDonald's. And we're like, Yakuza? And they're like, Yakuza! And we're like, oh my God, no, please. <laughs> For those listening, they put gun signs up at us. Uh, but it was great, you know, we were having a great time. We did some karaoke. Um, uh, Don sang the Yakuza song. We sang Hey Jude. It was a great time. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm also getting really, really drunk. Uh, so I'm snapping selfies. And then we turn to, and then Don turns to us and is like, do you like ramen? And again, we're in Japan, so we all say yes. And so then we leave the we leave this bar. We don't pay for anything, and then we walk out onto the streets of Shinjuku. Uh, and this is the moment where kind of like everything gets crazy, because as we're walking, every single Japanese person bows to Don. Every single person on the street bows to Don, and we're just like, oh no. We are actually with the head of the Yakuza. We are with the most dangerous man in Japan. And so at this moment, I was like, Simon, you gotta shape up. You gotta be serious. At the same time, I was so drunk. I was, I've, I've never been more drunk in my life. Like I, I had had three, like 300 milliliters of whiskey, 300 milliliters of sake, like 10 beers, this is crazy. I was blacking in and out. The only other time I had been like this, I was at this club and um, I was blackout, and then for a moment, I blacked back in, uh, and this guy was making out with me. He was all over me. I was like, ah, I'm blacking back out. <laughs> ah, trauma. But anyway, <laughs> so I mean, it's horrifying, and so we get to this ramen place, and it's closed, and uh, the guy, and so Don then makes a phone call. Five minutes later, it's open, and we go, and we have this delicious ramen. And then I go for a selfie with Don, which I hadn't gone for yet. And he's not a fan. And I'm also starting to act very boisterous because I think, I'm not sure if it's just unique to me, uh, but when I get drunk, I start acting a little boisterous. Uh, you know me, boisterous Barry. That's what they call me when I get drunk. Um, so, so Don like kind of makes this signal. He kind of does like a let's get him out of here sign to his henchmen. And so Joe and Charlie, the two guys I'm with, who were less drunk than me because they chose not to have the whiskey, um, they see this and they're like, oh shit, we should get him out of here. So they put me in a taxi um, back to our hotel. Or it wasn't really a hotel. It was like the 1968 Olympic Village or something like that. Um, it, was, it, it was not the... It, was, it sounds nice. It was not that nice. It's kind of been run down in the 50 years since there was an Olympics in that village. Um, but anyway, so, so, so then I sh so they put me in the taxi around 11.30 p.m. And I should get back around 11.45 p.m. 12.30 a.m., four other guys on the rugby team are walking back from a different nearby bar. They've had no Yakuza run-ins. And they see this taxi and a police car parked outside the village. 
and a, and a policeman yells at them, one of you, one of you. And they're like, one of us. And so they, and the policeman is like, come here. And so they, the policeman brings them over and points inside the back seat of the taxi. And there I am, unconscious, handcuffed, uh, smothered in vomit and bleeding slightly. Uh, and and uh, to this, I black, I fully blacked out in this taxi, so I have no idea what happened. Uh, the fun interpretation is that Don, you know, tried and failed to organize a hit on your boy. Uh, truth be told, the more accurate um, story is I probably just got a bit too drunk and hit my head and became a bit unruly. But that's not a better story. So let's go with the uh, let's go with the Don tried to kill me line because um, that's exciting, even if it's not the truth. Uh, God, my English professor would kill me for that. But anyway, um, so then they have to like pay, they have to pay the officers because uh, apparently I've like been arrested uh, and they have to drag me back and it's crazy. And then there was this one photo taken, um, which I'll put up on the YouTube and you can really, it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I look like a, what, like a Michelangelo. <laughs> Like a, like a Japanese Michelangelo if Michelangelo had had many, too many drinks. <laughs> uh, but what a time. Anyway, uh, that was my night with the Yakuza. And the next morning, I wrestled with sumos and won my fight uh, against Joe, the same guy who I had gone drinking with. And that was the greatest moment of my life. Video attached. Oh. That is crazy. Yeah, that was a, that's a crazy story, man. Um, I guess it just shows what's, what's good when you say yes to things. I guess say, saying yes isn't always the best thing. Um, I, I, feel it's a, I feel it's a plus. You know, sometimes you want to say no. But saying yeah or sure even is just so productive. You never know where it's going to lead you. Uh, even if you don't want... Like this one time I went on a... Um, I, I, this, this girl messaged me for drinks. She was like, hey, you want to get drinks this Friday night? And I, again, I, this, was, this was like sophomore year as well. Uh, and so I had no idea that she was, I was very naive. I just, I had no idea she was like, this was a date. I thought we were just going to go get drinks as friends because uh, I'm naive and I'm dumb. And I, you know, I now ask girls on dates and they say, yeah, sure, I'd love to. And then they're under the impression it's not a date that I'm just going to get drinks as friends and I think they're idiots but I was the same so uh beggars can't be choosers oh what a phrase that is a good phrase beggars can't be choosers that might be the phrase of the day listen till the end uh but anyway so uh so I, I'm like sure I'll go on this date so then we turn up and I didn't think it was a date she did uh, we go to this. We go to this fancy cocktail bar. She turns up in this hot black dress, you know, pink lipstick. She's looking really good. Uh, I'm in my bowling clothes. Uh, I just come back from my biweekly bowling with the boys, uh, which is twice a week, by the way, not once every two weeks. And uh, I didn't realize I didn't realize we we're on a date. <laughs> but at that, I did at that point. I was like, oh no, we've had a failure to communicate. What movie is that from? Is that from here? I'm gonna get the actor wrong again. Is that from Apollo 11 with uh, Kevin, Kevin Costner? That's, I think that's almost definitely wrong. I think everything about that's wrong. Um, but I'll stick with it. Kevin Costner, you might be getting an apology in the next episode. So, uh, so we sit down at the bar, and, she, and so I'm still trying to look cool, even if I 
because I'm not, I'm not interested in her, but I still want to look cool on this date, this hypothetical date. So I sit down at the bar and I order, uh, I look at the bartender, I'm like, I'll have a French 35. And the bartender looks at me, he's like, do you mean a French 75? And in my head, I'm like, crap. I totally meant to order a French 75. A French 35 is not a drink. A French 35 is the legal number of hours you're allowed to work in France. Um, but I, I can't back down to this bartender now, otherwise I'll look like a schmuck to this girl who I'm not even trying to impress. And so I'm like, you've never heard of a French 35? What kind of bartender are you? And the bartender is like, uh, no, what's in it? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, champagne, gin, lemon juice, a slice of orange. These are the ingredients in a French 75. <laughs> and he looks at me. He knows I'm bullshitting. And I look at him and I'm like, please, no. <laughs> uh, but he won't stop. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Just this time, I'll try your French 75. But it better be as good as my French 35. It was, uh, yeah, you never know what you're going to find when you say yes to things, even, if, even what you don't expect. Yeah, I like, to, I like to put myself out there. You know, see what you get. Uh, I've been on the dating scene lately. Uh, haven't been having too much success, to be honest. Ask my friends to, maybe ask, ask my girlfriends to set me up with some people. Uh, gave, they gave them a few, like, ideas of what I was looking for. But after, like, three weeks, uh, they had no one. I was like, this is pathetic, guys or girls. Um... Girls, this is pathetic. Like, why haven't you come up with anyone? And they were like, oh, sorry, Simon. We just, we couldn't find any, we couldn't think of any white women. I'm like, white women? What made you think I was only interested in white women? And one of them said, Simon, you said you were interested in girls who play tennis. I was like, fair play. <laughs> I think dating, you know, we always get taught in school topic sentences. Lead with your most important uh, sentence at the top. Let your reader know what you want right at the start. That's not how dating works. Dating's none of that. You're, you've got to go around the edges. You, you can't just start with a, I would like to date you. You have to do some eyes emoji, maybe send them a delicious uh, shawarma on, uh, on, a, on a food app. I don't know. Uh, but you can't be up front. You, know, I'm not, you can't be up front when dating. It's not like everyone's Wayne Rooney. That's one for my soccer fans out there. We're into the stuff that I've been thinking about lately section, by the way. The, the main story's over. If you haven't noticed, the Yakuza are no longer. Uh, but I, there's, they, I'm, not, I'm not trying to give the football team a bad rep because I, I love my school's football team. I think they're all, filled, they're all filled with great guys. That being said, some of them, sometimes not as sharp as others. Like we were, we were at lunch one time and... We, we were chatting and we were talking about pronouns and I, one of us asked this guy on the football team, he was like, does anyone on the football team go by they, them pronouns? Uh, and he was like, I don't think so. And someone was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. And this football player took offense. He was like, what are you saying? That football players can't be gay? It's like, no, what? That's not at all what anyone was saying. Yeah, I think that maybe, maybe there could be some more education done um, for a few people out there. But what are you going to do? Good phrase as well. What are you going to do? Yeah, say, say, your, say your semester or whatever you wanted happened or gets cancelled because of coronavirus. What are you going to do? Ah! Oh, yeah. We've been having a lot of fun in quarantine. People I've been living with live in like a house. It's uh, seven of us, which is 
staying safe with CDC regulations. We got a bit drunk uh, two nights ago, and <laughs> I got crazy. I like went inside, locked them out of the house. Everyone started yelling at each other in British accents, which is really entertaining when you haven't heard British accents in a while. They were all like, let me in, you wanker. And I was like, I'm not letting you in for the laugh of me, you know. And then everyone starts yelling at each other, I'm going to shag your missus. <laughs> Which I genuinely think is the funniest sentence you can say. It's like such Ray Winston energy or such a, um, yeah, like Peaky Blinders energy. Like, oi, your missus, I'm a shagger. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's definitely not the most PC thing to be saying, but... <laughs> I don't think, I, I'm probably going to name my comedy, my first comedy special, Shagging Your Missus. Because <laughs> personally, I think it's the funniest thing in the world. Because <laughs> uh, also, I am um, not shagging anyone's missus. I'm a firm believer in not shagging people's missus. <laughs> or referring to them as missus. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, how's your hubby? Oh, how's your missus? <laughs> like, just, none of that should be said. <laughs> But, I, but it's very fun to say. <laughs> I've been thinking about how to survive a robbery if anyone ever broke into my home. And I th I've come up with the perfect four-step plan. So say a robber, his name's Rob, breaks into your home and uh, he comes into your bedroom and you're, you're like in your bed and you hear him come in. You're like, oh shit. So you want to play it safe. So step one, you fall asleep. God. You're going to be a sleeping beauty. Rob's not going to touch a sleeping beauty because you're no threat to him. So you just let him wander. Uh, also, I know, like, yeah, there can be female robbers, uh, you know, all for equality in every sense. But, uh, you know, uh, not a single female has been in my bedroom all year. I don't think that's going to change just for a, a Sonos. So, so anyway, so Rob, Rob's in my room and I'm playing dead or playing asleep. Don't want to be dead. That's the whole aim of this uh, four-step plan. So step one, you fall asleep. And then Rob wanders around. You let him look at all your stuff. Uh, and then step two comes in because Rob might get a bit suspicious. He'll be like, crap, I mean, this guy could wake up at any time. So what you do, he like comes over. He like puts, puts his gun to your head. Uh, this is a dark bit. <laughs> but he's like, and he's about to fire just to take care of you. But then you do this. I couldn't do the third snore, I ran out of breath. But he starts snoring. Because <laughs> then he's like, oh, this guy's really asleep. And so then you let him get more stuff. And he, but then he's like, oh, wait a second. You know, this guy, like, he could, he could rat on me. You know, maybe I should just take care of him. So you bring, he brings the gun back to your head. And right as he's about to pull the trigger, what do you say? Well, that's exactly what you say. You start sleep talking. You're like, oh, I'd never, I'd never rat on anyone. Snitches get stitches. Ah, uh, oh God, I don't know. Someone, please. I wish someone would come into my room, not Rob. <laughs> um, and then he's like, ah, okay. But then you want to get out. Plus, you want to keep your stuff. Uh, and nothing against robbers, you know. I'm honestly, uh, you yeah, know, respect, you yeah, know, different conditions. People, people need to get their stuff somehow. I've got nothing against them. But at the same time, uh, I kind of want to keep my own stuff. So the trick now, step four, you start sleepwalking. And then you start sleepwalking, because then Rob's like, this guy is fully asleep. This guy's out of his mind. So you start sleepwalking. Maybe you, maybe you like walk into Rob just, just for the banter. And then you, you grab your bedroom key. You walk out of the, you sleepwalk out of the bedroom. You lock it from the outside. You call the cops. You report him. You don't charge him with anything. And then you got all your stuff and you're safe. Uh, so that's how you survive a bedroom invasion.
Um, that being said, uh, around a year ago, we, uh, I was in this house. It was me and just this other guy at the time. No one else was back from uh, holidays. And at 3 a.m., there was this big banging on my door. Uh, perfect time to put my four-step plan into action. So the big banging on the door, bang, bang, bang. And I said, who is it? Which uh, immediately <laughs> ruined the entire plan <laughs> of pretending to be asleep. And uh, this person was like, it's the police, which is exactly what Rob would say. So I'm like, uh, can I see some photo ID? <laughs> which again, I don't know why I said that, because I hadn't seen this person <laughs> who was behind the door. It wasn't like they would just slide me their photo ID and I'd do some like quick physiognomy. That's definitely not how you pronounce it. And be like, oh yeah, this, this is an officer, open up. Um, but then I'm like, uh, can I see some photo ID? And they're like, your house has been burgled. Uh, this is the police. Please open this door immediately. And our house had been burgled. So essentially, I think the, the four-step plan could work in principle. You know when it doesn't work? When you have other rooms in the house uh, where Rob could steal from. Uh, so that's that. I think Fahrenheit is good. People always shit on it. People always like, oh, no, you want to use the metric system. Uh, you know, zero to 100 degrees, that's the way forwards. I disagree, because all you really use, you use temperature for two things. You use it for the weather and for cooking. And with cooking, the numbers are so high, you know, no one really understands them at all. But with Fahrenheit, you kind of, Celsius is kind of confusing, because your weather is only ever going to be from like negative five degrees if it's really cold, uh, or negative 15, shout out to my Minnesotan Fraser heads. Am I right? It's, it's not quite the same without the wind chill. <laughs> See, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an avid uh, Minnesotan. Go Packers, go Vikings, uh, go Bears. Uh, these are all my Midwestern teams. I'm out of Midwestern teams. Uh, but go Midwest. Love my Midwest. Uh, I was saying something about something. What was I saying about? Oh, Fahrenheit. Yeah, because Celsius, it's like you're only ever going to get be from like negative something to like 40 degrees. Fahrenheit, you're pretty much, the temperatures are the percentages of hot that it is. Say it's 50 degrees outside. You're, you're able to know, oh yeah, it's 50% hot today. Say it's 80 degrees outside. You're like, oh yeah, it's pretty hot. It's 80% hot, 100, 100 degrees. Oh, it is bloody, it is as hot as it can get. Um, or is it 20 degrees? Oh, that's pretty, that's, that's not that hot. That's 20% hot. It's a pretty effective system. Speaking about Fahrenheit, there's that lyric in that Queen song uh, from Don't Stop Me Now. You know, it's like, I'm burning through the sky, 200 degrees, that's why they call me Mr. Fahrenheit. I don't know about you guys, but for me, 200 degrees, not as hot as I would expect from Mr. Fahrenheit. You know, this is Mr. Fahrenheit we're talking about. We're not just talking about master or mistress uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, we're not quite talking about Mrs. Fahrenheit. I'm sure she would, she would be very hot. Uh, but 200 degrees, that's, like, that's not hot at all. You'd expect Mr. Fahrenheit to be able to charbroil a steak. At this rate, he's not even slow roasting a turkey. 200 degrees, that's like two days in Vegas. My, my body temperature is like 98.6 degrees. Where does that place me on the Fahrenheit family tree? 
I was, I was willing to give Queen some, the BOD, benefit of the doubt. Because uh, I looked it up, maybe they were talking about academic degrees. But that didn't make any sense either. Because if he had 200 academic degrees, well, by now he'd be Dr. Fahrenheit. So, so I don't know. Um, I truly don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Freddie Mercury's dead. Nope, cut that. That is a bad thing to say. I wasn't a fan of that lyric. I, I've, I've never seen Star Wars or any of those movies, you know, Pirates of, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Never saw any of those. But I know that scene where, like, Darth Vader is like, Luke, I am your father. I've been thinking about, like, funner ways he could have said that. Like, what if Darth Vader were just like, Hey, Lukaku, I'm your big daddy. <laughs> like, imagine if, imagine if Darth Vader said, Hey, Lukaku, I'm your big daddy. That would be the funniest shit ever. Please, I don't, who, who made that movie? Steven, Steven Spielberg? No, George Lucas, right? Yeah, it's George Lucas. George Lucas, you gotta remake that scene. And just get Darth Vader to say, Hey, Lukaku, I'm your big daddy. <laughs> God, that would be funny. <laughs> there are some people you just grow up with. I guess like some people grow up with Star Wars. Yes, but you know, there are just people, but I guess like there are just people in your life who you don't really like pay much attention to, but are just there like throughout your life. For me, it's Ichiro Suzuki, uh, the baseball player who just hits all the time. Um, that guy, like, I was born and that guy was hitting baseballs and I, I, my understanding is he is still hitting baseballs though he might have retired recently. Uh, either way, Ichiro is a very fundamental part of my life and I'm sure, who, who's your fundamental, who's your Ichiro Suzuki? Let me know in the comments. Um, God. <laughs> hey, Lukaku. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I don't, the ATF is a agency in America, which should be split into two agencies, the AT and the F, because ATF stands for alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. One of those is much more serious than the other. I don't think they're the same people who are like making those disgusting ads, which are like saying, if you smoke two cigarettes, your throat will look like a, like an octopus in, uh, in Virginia, I don't know, um, they should not be in charge of dealing with all the firearms in America. That is, uh, I don't know, I don't really have a point about that, but the F should be its own thing. Also, heaven, I think everyone bigs up heaven a bit. They're always like, oh, heaven's going to be so nice, you're going to be re reunited with the, all your family and friends who you love. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, I think that would be nice for like 15 minutes. But then I'd get on my phone and be like, what's the Lakers score? Like, I'm pretty happy down here. Like, I'm honestly, down here is better than heaven right now. Um, like, do they have sports in heaven? Someone, someone needs to tell me this. I was also thinking about how paintball is just like the most ridiculous thing that kids are allowed to do. You literally go into combat age 11. And it's, it's like, it would be fine if it was just like laser tag where you just get like laser, like an imaginary laser hits you and you don't get any bodily harm. If you're, you're giving 11 year old kids full on camo outfits in the middle of some village that you always have to drive over, you always have to drive over a hill to get to. I don't know why that's the rule with paintball fields. 
And then you put on all your gear and your helmet. And then you just start firing shots at 11-year-olds, which is crazy. That should not be allowed. I don't know why parents allow it, but I'm definitely, when I have kids, definitely sending them to paintball. It definitely builds character. Whenever we have a debate in anything or whenever we have a heated subject, maybe it's guns or abortions or um, best tennis racket out there. Uh, Babalat, mm, Wilson, ooh, see, it's a hard one even for me. I think we should always have every debate, every serious debate should be done in your second language because no one ever disagrees when they speak their second language. Because if I, if I have to, because I don't know how to disagree in Spanish. Spanish is my second language. And when I say second language, a language I know a hundred words. I just be like, ah, no sé, eh, abocion, oh, no abocion, eh, no estoy seguro, eh, me gusta. You know, it would be nice. Uh, we'd have a good time. I think everyone would be a lot more jolly and welcome to their own opinions. Um, but yeah, everyone's always describing in the news now. They're like, this, uh, this level of whatever, like this game has been canceled for the first time since World War II or, you know, like this concert is canceled for the first time since World War II or the Macy's Parade is canceled for the first time since World War II. It's like, yeah, nothing has happened since World War II. Like, life has been, it's like, yes, you're right, but also, like, what did you expect? Like, 1979 just to come about, and people were like, ah, nah, we, we don't want to watch the Yankees versus the, the Red Sox. We're good, with, we're good with how we are right now. That's, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm running out of material here, uh, but I just wanted to maybe end. I wanted to do a new segment where I just do a few impressions. They're quite niche impressions. Uh, some of them will be more recognizable, like this is Mickey Mouse. That was Mickey Mouse um, having sex with Minnie Mouse. <laughs> um, but then also Theo Vaughn, if you know him, he's, a, he's, he's one of my favorite comedians. Uh, he's a Louisiana comic who you should check out. And this is an impression of Theo Vaughn uh, talking about porn. Uh, so these are all sexual impressions for some reason. But this is Theo Vaughn. Uh, yeah, uh, I was listening to this podcast Oh, it's, it's bad so far. I might start again. Uh, I was listening to all these people speak about the vulgarity in porn, and uh, I misheard them. I thought they were talking about Bulgarians in porn. I was like, why does everyone care about the Bulgarians in porn? Do not call me a pervert for speaking about this. You know, when I was young, I used to watch a lot of porn. You know, uh, people describe me as being on porn. Uh, you know how, because back where I'm from, you would be described as being on meth. I was described as being on porn and meth. That's my Theo Vaughn impression. Uh, and here is Marge Simpson um, being pleasured by Homer Simpson. Ow, Homer, homie. Uh, anyway, so that pretty much wraps up today's podcast. A phrase of the day. Oh, we forgot about phrase of the day. All right, phrase of the day for all you phrase heads out there. Uh, let's get into it. What do you think it's going to be? Uh, I'm going to come up with it on the spot. Phrase of the day, work a minute, live a dime. That didn't make any sense, but say you're working a minute and then you decide to live a dime. What do you say? <laughs> work a minute, live a dime. Ah, what a phrase. Uh, thanks a lot for tuning in. Phrase, phrase. 
Uh, this is the new phrase, phrase symbol, just like that. You just bang, bang. Uh, for all your podcast listeners, you kind of do a peace sign and put your index finger up, phrase, phrase. Uh, and live it up and make sure to email George Lucas telling him he should rename Star Wars to Hey, Lukaku, I'm your big daddy. <laughs> That's the end of the podcast. Thanks a lot.